this is one more special because I get to introduce my brother in Christ, Stephen Jumper, who uh, works for an outfit that's just doing an amazing job for Christ. He's going to tell you about it, but Troy's done a pretty good job. Oh, that's my band-aid. <laughs> Ned, I put up some barbed wire yesterday, and I'm just eat up. <laughs> Little punches, they call them. His ministry is to organize churches and associations and telling people about Jesus. Wow, what a great job. Wish I had it. But he's the right man to do it. They're based in Louisville. He's based all the way over there in North Carolina. And, you know, he came here to be with us for this week, and then he's coming back in April to be with us for Operation Andrew, and I'm pretty sure he'll tell you something about that in just a minute. But Troy's done a good job in putting on a little table at the back, and also the table by this door, information about Operation Andrew prayer cards, and this is called a trifold, and the whole opportunity here is to witness to somebody about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And Stephen Jumper coordinates the effort for all of North America, Canada, somewhere else. Big project. Big, nearly bigger than the state of Texas, but not quite. He's here to tell you about Christ, to preach to us, and to tell us about Operation Andrew. Let's give Stephen Jumper a hand when he comes up here. I'll have a prayer for you before you preach. Let us out before three if you don't mind. Me and Nan got things to do today. Gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, we love you and thank you for calling us all here together today so we could ask you to bless the pastor of this great church. Uh, restore him to his health, Lord. Yes, Lord. Preserve his ministry. Yes. Bless his family in his absence. I know they've got a longing in their heart to see Daddy come home. So please, Lord, make that possible. Bless my brother right here as he's fixing to break the bread of life to us. Bless about your son, Jesus Christ, this Operation Andrew, and how we can be a vital part of it. I thank you for bringing Stephen Jumper all the way here to preach today. In the name of your son Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Brother Boots, thank you so much. Uh, I had I've been to your church before back in October. I visited with Pastor Troy, and uh, then we talked about me coming and sharing with y'all today. It it it's just a coincidence, or maybe it's divine providence that you know he's in the hospital. We we had not planned for me to be a substitute, is what I'm saying. <laughs> And so, uh, but that's okay. Uh, it worked out, uh, just not like we wished it <laughs> worked out. So, um, if you got your Bibles, uh, you can turn to First uh, Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two, and then also uh, you can mark up uh, the book of John, John chapter one, and I'll be uh, talking from those scriptures today. 1 Peter chapter 2, John chapter 1. Um, what I, the essence of what I'd like to talk about today really uh, leads us to see ourselves as obedient people of God. How, how will we obey? That's 
that's really tough for us to consider. Am I obedient steward of the Lord? And I challenge myself a lot with that, um, and I have to confess that that's not always the case. But God is graceful. His grace is more. We, through this, uh, through these efforts that Boots has already mentioned, we want to see God move in a great way in this church in Lapan. And we want to see God move in, in our community, in the community of Hood County and Somerville County. And so it's an amazing thing to see churches uh, trying to work together. To, I, I tell you, working together is a misnomer. It's how about work simultaneously? Because they're working simultaneously in their own communities. And we do come together. I'm going to tell you about that a little bit. But um, I looked up um, your mission statement. First Baptist Church, Life Hands mission statement on the internet. Wonderful tool about who you are. And I don't know when the last time was you looked at your mission statement, but I'm going to share this with you because it goes along with the message. And it's interesting how that, that happens. Um, Listen there, it says, uh, it's keying on, your mission's keying on three words. Following, living, and telling. Following, living, and telling. Following Jesus to the best of our abilities. Living in community with the people around us. And telling the world of the hope available in Jesus Christ. So, some of the scripture today in 1 Peter relates to following Jesus and living in community. And then John really relates to telling the world about Jesus. So, again, my name is Stephen Jumper and I live in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I work remotely with our office in Louisville, Texas. And we organize, um, and I'm going to use the dirty word evangelism. It's, it's really too strong a word um, for folks because People don't consider themselves an evangelist. I can't evangelize. I, I'm not an evangelist. Well, we need to really put it in better context when it comes to people in the church. And I'm going to when I say people in the church, it's not just First Baptist Lapan. It's the church in America. We've gotten away from telling our own story. How was, how was I before I met Jesus? And how am I after I met Jesus? It's as simple as that. Um, and there's many different ways to sharing your story and ultimately sharing the gospel. Different tools. But that is one of the simplest ways about everybody has a story. And you might think your story is not different or unique, but it is. It's the story God has written on your heart and written in your life. And so, Operation Andrew is a process that International Commission uses to go out and share the gospel with people. And I'll talk a little bit about that. One of the things is, we've lost a sense of urgency in this country about telling people about our faith, about telling people about what we believe. And the world continues to back the church in a corner. And we continue to move the boundary and make it smaller for the church. But I don't know about you guys, 
but I think it's reached a point where it's got to stop. And I think it's reached a point where it's time to take back the ground. Because we are being invited to the conversation. The issues on abortion and sexuality, those are biblical issues. Why, why wouldn't we get to speak about those? The, it, they, those are our issues. And it's not that we have an opinion about that, but this tells us about that. And we stand on this book. And so that's where a lot of people get sideways as far as getting us off track about, oh, that's what you believe and that's your opinion. And let's talk about that because there's a lot of evidence right here, man. There is, this is the Word of God, inspired Word of God, and, the, and people might not believe what we believe about this book, but we can, we can show them a lot of physical evidence of that if they want to go down that road. So we need to take a stand in regards to our culture today. We're going to read about government and about how Peter advises the church in Asia Minor to submit to the government. I don't know about you guys, but I heard a lot about that during COVID. And it, it was okay for a while. After really a few weeks, certainly a couple months, I was like, how much should we be submitting to this government over this? What are these things we're doing? This kind of doesn't make sense. So the world's getting crazier and crazier. Our culture, the moral decay in our culture is such. And the only answer is Jesus. It's not government. It's not money. More money's not going to do it. We can attest to that from $34 trillion of debt in Washington, D.C. More money is not going to solve the problem. It's a heart issue. And it's a heart issue one person at a time. And so that's where you come in and believe it or not, believe it or not, you have the authority and power to change lives. One person at a time. I've been on international projects with International Commission overseas. I've been out in rice fields of Cambodia. I've been in the islands of the Philippines, out in the middle of the jungles of Malaysia. And there's times where we find ourselves, um, somebody points us in a direction and we go down an old dirt road and we have no idea where we're going. But somebody said, you got to go talk to my brother Joe. He lives down here. And we don't, there's no how, we can't see anything, and we're going down the road. And we're going a long time, okay? It's taking a lot of time. And we actually stop and we tell ourselves, you know, if we go down here and, and share with this one person and changes their life, the whole trip is worth it. One person, changing one person's life. So, our, our scripture today um, in 1 Peter deals with the first century church and the persecution of the first century church in Asia Minor. And uh, Peter is writing to them to encourage them and also to give them advice on how they should live. Uh, it, it is, um, it's debated about how much it is written to Christian Gentiles and how much it's written to Christian Jews. The, uh, the consensus pretty much of Christian Gentiles in Asia Minor that Peter's writing to. And... The thing about what I'm going to read in 1 Peter 
is the fact that you, you got to understand that Peter, the rock, in his uh, in his sermon in the book of Acts, um, was not compromising on his faith when he was uh, faced against the Sadducees and Pharisees, against the Jewish council. He said, we must obey God rather than men. So when he writes about this submission to government and masters, and he is not trying to tell them to compromise. And really, um, 1 Peter chapter 2, the, we'll break it down for you, verses 13 through 17 are about submission to the government, and 18 through 25 are about a submission in business, um, or in a case where back in that day uh, they had slaves or servants to, um, to uh, masters who were just in their own household. So let me read 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 13. <clears throat> be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise to those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Boy, that says a lot right there because we got a lot of foolish people in this world. And they're doing a lot of foolish things out in plain sight now. It's in plain sight. I don't know if y'all noticed it. It is in plain sight. With our technology and our news media, we we can see. We can see what's going on. And and the acceptance of that, I just it blows me away. I never thought we'd be we seeing that out, out so open. And they're not apologetic about it either. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God, servants of God, not man. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Starting in verse 18. Servants, and in some translations it says slaves, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is the gracious thing, when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. I'm going to share a little bit about my testimony uh, a little bit later. And, and one of the things just personally for me, and my wife and I work on this all the time, or she works on it in me, is that I just have this thing for injustice. And, um, and part of my testimony you'll, you'll hear is uh, I'm married for a second time. I went through a horrendous divorce with two children, two small children, and I was caught up in the court system, and I saw all the foolishness that goes on with judges and lawyers who are taking people's money out in broad daylight, just unabashedly, unapologetically. It, it, it's really, really rough. So um, the, the, the unjustness of a situation, the injustice of a situation gets all over me. But in verse 20, for what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you, are, when you do good and suffer for it, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Verse 21, for to do this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you as an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. 
He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were strayed, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So this last part is of, um, should be of particular interest to us personally. Um, you hear it all the time about uh, being identified with Christ's suffering. And it gives you reason and understanding when you read this about the focus on the Lord and how he suffered for you, for your sins, for the forgiveness of sins for the entire world. But he also did it, it's a personal thing for you. And so when you suffer, think about the Lord. And you are identified, and I, I believe that applies to all kinds of suffering. Now, there is suffering that doesn't seem so uh, spiritual necessarily. But I believe in some way God is providing a means to get closer to Him when we suffer in many different ways, many types of ways. The thing about it is, what is our answer? How will we respond? And, um, and it's not just a trite thing. It's not just a trite thing about how we respond to Christ's suffering, about how we respond to submitting to authority, to submitting to masters. But... Will we be an obedient people, as I said previously? So now I'd like to turn to uh, John chapter 1 and cite um, an example. And, and this is where I'm going to start talking to you about uh, International Commission and what we're doing here in Operation Andrew. John chapter 1, starting in verse 40. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. So, uh, not, not a lot, if you're like me, is talked about about Andrew. Andrew was a follower of John the Baptist, and he met Jesus through John the Baptist. So, upon meeting Jesus and learning that Jesus was the Messiah, his reaction was, I've got to get this information to my family. And the first family member he chose was Peter. And so he goes to Peter and says, Peter, we have found the Messiah, and he takes Peter to Jesus and introduces him. And this is the basis of how International Commission goes out and shares the gospel. You know, a lot of times we fail to realize um, how important what we know is. That we, you know, it's kind of like a secret. Kind of like having a secret that nobody knows. And you have a secret. Do you want to share the secret? Um, but this secret needs to be shared. It needs to be known that God in Christ was reconciling the world, and while we were still sinners, Christ died. I, that it, when, if, when you spend time on that, when you spend time on that thought about the fact that 
It wasn't when we were doing good that Christ died for us. And it wasn't that Christ was trying to make a deal with us about, well, they're mostly good now. I think I can go down and, and save them. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Um, how many people do you know that need to hear that? One thing I've learned recently about my day-to-day -day spirituality and, and my faith is that God doesn't love me any less or any more than He did yesterday. And whether I mess up or whether I'm perfect, which that never happens, He loves me still the same. And He's not mad at me. Okay? And He's not wrathful toward me. And, and some people talk about that don't understand the Bible, that the Old Testament is the wrath of God and the New Testament is the grace of God. And they're two different gods. Boy, they love to put that out there. They're two different gods. And uh, two different ways. But God, God does not change. He does not change. And so, I don't know if you're like me, but as much as I'm preaching to y'all, I'm preaching to myself. And every day, you know, well, Lord, I didn't do good today. I'm going to try to do better. Oh, I shouldn't have said that to that person. Oh, man. Woo! So... I'm trying to get I'm trying to get off the roller coaster, okay? Because I actually grew up Lutheran, and, and which is more like Catholic, and that's a roller coaster you don't want to be on. <laughs> I can tell you that. But um, we've all sinned, we've all fallen short, and thank God, but God, but through the blood of Christ, we're saved only by the blood. And when we share that, when we share that information. The Holy Spirit works and convicts. It's not us that does the saving. It's the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk a lot about prayer through this process. And um, so, real quickly, I want to tell you about Operation Andrew. Where did that come from? Believe it or not, that's an old Billy Graham methodology. And um, you know, back during uh, the 60s, 70s, Billy Graham was out there having crusades going from town to town. And so Operation Andrew was a preparation thing for his crusades. And he would work with local churches and people would pray. People would pray. Obviously, they had people come to a stadium-type setting um, and they would pray for, uh, and, they, and do tent revivals. And they would pray for people to come. And so um, uh, our organization, um, about 45 years ago, went to the Billy Graham Association and asked permission to use that. Um, they, they've actually gotten away from that a little bit. Uh, their their uh, association group still does some crusades, but you don't hear about Operation Andrew as much. Um, but that's what we do. We use that method, and we just, our organization is about sharing the gospel. We're, we're not building anything. We're not, we don't send medical teams. And it's all about sharing the gospel, and it's all about working with churches to get back to what the church used to do, which is what I like to refer to as just good old-fashioned visitation. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, I don't, people aren't really inviting me to their house anymore um, just to come over and visit. When I was a kid, I, when I was growing up in um, um, my family is from uh, South Carolina, rural South Carolina, and I grew up in Tennessee. But I'd go over to see my grandparents, and uh, I don't know about y'all, but on Sunday, we'd go to church, and we'd eat dinner, and then uh, we were going to go visit. 
we're going to visit folks. We visit this nursing home, and uh, and then we would uh, visit out in the community. There, some would be family, some wouldn't be family. But um, this process, it, the ideal uh, situation is obviously that you'd be praying for a lost person, and eventually, over time, you'd have visitation in, in their home. Overseas, that happens all the time. They want the Americans in their in their villages, in their houses, in their huts. It's so open and so so different when it comes to the home. So we're 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 um, not saying that that we don't want to still do that, but we also need to need to understand the culture. We also need to understand how people are. It, it, and, and it, I can give you an analogy. How many front porches do you see anymore? Really, particularly on, on you know new construction and, and that kind of thing, um, and even back porches. I'm not even sure people have a back porch anymore. But um, people typically hide in their homes a lot, and um, we're not necessarily out in the in, in the town anymore on the town square. So this has been the struggle of the church. How do we reach people? How do we find the lost? And so Operation Andrew is. Um, a process and uh, like my brother Boots mentioned that as far as Operation Andrew cards you got some in, in the front of the church some back here and this is this is a personal thing for you this is this is not we're taking names and publishing names or anything like that this is about you and really your relationship with the Lord and about prayer so um, we want folks in churches in the Paluxy Baptist Association. We're working with eight churches right now in the association. We have been up to 10, sometimes 12. We're back down to seven. Now we're back up to eight, but eight churches that are doing this consistently. And that is, they're thinking about people that they know are unchurched or lost. And you may know somebody that you don't know whether they're, what they're are they a believer? Uh, you would be surprised in talking with people um, and and sharing your faith and witnessing to them and having a conversation that they profess to be a Christian, but they they're not. They're Christian in name only. You know the question is, are they saved? And um, so. Uh, it's it's real interesting when you dive into it and, and you really can't, when you start learning how to do this, you can't make any assumptions. But right now, what's happening up until April the 19th is we're in the prayer phase of this work. And, and, and folks are, these cards are about simply you thinking about somebody that you know is is lost that's not saved writing their name down just their first name and praying for them it's as simple as that it's as simple as that if you do nothing more than that you're going to find that when our missionaries come april the 19th there's going to be a harvest because jesus said the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few pray for the lord of the harvest to send out workers not to heart, not to have a harvest. Can you imagine that? If you think about that, the, Jesus is telling us, "I've already got a harvest. The harvest is out there. All you got to do is go, is go get it." Um, much like in Ephesians, where it talks about good works, that we are God's 
handiwork. We're God's workmanship made for good works, which He's already prepared for us in advance. He's already prepared the good works. All we got to do is go find them and walk through them. That's, that's unbelievable that, that He's telling us, I've got this. I'm doing this. This is a work of my Holy Spirit. And I want you to, you to be a part of that with me. And, and simply to, to share who you are, share your faith, and share your testimony, and pray. Prayer changes everything. So, um, we're, we're asking you to pray. That's, that's the ask today, is, is will you pray? I'm going to mention that again. And so I mentioned that, that we're in the, when the first phase of this work as far as prayer goes. But on, on April the 19th through the 25th, International Commission is a, a mobilization organization. We get volunteers together, and, and we're going to call them missionaries because they are missionaries, but they're from across the country. And they're going to travel here to Hood and Somerville County to share the gospel with you. And so with eight churches, we've already got 20 volunteers. There'll be at least two International Commission volunteers assigned to First Baptist Lopan here. And um, during that time, the, the idea is that the people you've identified, the people you've been praying for, hopefully that you've been engaging with, that you've been saying, hey, I'm praying for you, is there something I can pray for you about? And now I'm talking about just the guy that works on your car, that works on your tractor, um, somebody down at the feed store or whatever that you know that you engage with, but you don't necessarily know about them. And, um, and of course, depending on the relationship, invite them to church. Um, always invite people to church. You know, most people, if they're invited, will come. So uh, it's just about that engagement process and figuring that out. And it works. It's, they're, they're, it's not linear. There's no exact steps to it. You're going to see steps on these cards. But it's just a process that you need to be led by the Holy Spirit. And even if you're just praying for the person, even if you're just praying for your church, even if you're just praying for Lipan, even if you're just praying for the county, even if you're just praying for the state of Texas, God will do something. The Holy Spirit will move. I promise you, that's what this work is about. The Holy Spirit. And do we believe? Do we believe that God will work in Lipan, Texas? I almost said North Carolina. But we, don't, we don't have a Lipan in North Carolina. So that's what we're doing on April the 19th through the 25th. And be careful what you ask for. Because guess what? There's a harvest. And now, what's the next step? I made a profession of faith. And this is where the church really falls down sometimes is we have a new believer. They've made a profession of faith. And now what do they do? Because a lot of times they're left out in the world and they fall back. That, that seed got scattered among thorns or on rocky ground. And so there's a discipleship part of this afterwards, which is really exciting for the church. We don't promise this as a means to grow the church. But a lot of times the church grows. And a lot of times a new church is planted. Boots was just sharing with me about the need for new church plants in this area, in the county. So... Um, again, the harvest is plentiful. 
Um, I've, I've, I've met Alan, um, who's who uh, Pastor Troy shared with me. That's on a part of a team helping us do this in your church. And I'm, I'm going to mention two other names that I haven't met: Erica and Kevin, Erica Foster and Kevin Andrews. So, um, if you're here, I want to talk to y'all today. And so, that local team, as far as helping us with the project, helping us remind us to pray, having prayer meetings, being a visitation coordinator, because when when the when the missionaries get here. These folks are experienced missionaries and have been around the world. And if you haven't had the opportunity to share the gospel with the person you're praying for, but you've been engaging with them, let the IC missionary go with you. That's what we want. They, they, will, they will boldly share their faith. And when you see that happen, it, it's an unbelievable thing. We also have had people that says, well, I've shared the gospel. They don't want to believe it. You know, Take the IC missionary anyway, because guess what? They might identify with them. And these folks bring their own personal written testimonies, and they share their personal testimonies with, with people. And, and people all of a sudden make first time profession of faith, and it's an incredibly exciting thing if you've, if you've never experienced it before. And, and you get momentum. The first day is tough. You get started, and the next day you get some momentum, and by the third day, you are rolling and you're getting in front of people and sharing the gospel. And again, remember, our work is not to save people. That's the whole work of the Holy Spirit. But our, 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 our role is to share the gospel and share our testimony. I, um, I uh, grew up in, uh, I said I was from Tennessee. I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee and got over to North Carolina and um, married in, uh, back in 1994, a first marriage small girls and then um, in 2003 my wife wanted a divorce and it devastated me um, and I went through some some deep dark times now as a kid I received Christ I actually remember the night I received Christ as a 12 year old I have a sister who's 12 months I mean a year younger than me 13 months younger than me and we actually have this a similar testimony because we were together that night. That night I was telling her about Jesus. I was telling her about God. And that was part of her testimony. And so it was an amazing thing. And I only found that out about seven or eight years ago. So um, that was a beautiful thing as a kid. And, and I grew up in the Lutheran church. And, and it was a Methodist for a little bit. But luckily my, my grandparents down in South Carolina were good Southern Baptist grandparents. And so uh, I am so thankful for them because my sister would say, uh, uh, if we, 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 were, we were going with the Lutheran grandparents or we'd go with the Baptist grandparents, and when she would go with the Baptist grandparents, she'd say, well, I know what the sermon's going to be about today. It's going to be about Jesus. Isn't that, as a child, that's an interesting observation, the Lutheran church versus the Baptist church. Because in the Lutheran church, we only read the scripture once or twice, and it really wasn't preached word for word, you know, on the scripture. So, um, very fortunate that, but went through a difficult divorce. Um, my daughter, uh, I had a stepdaughter that I didn't have any custody rights with, and then I had a, a biological daughter that was, it was a constant custody fight for 10 or 15 years. And I was a single dad. I was blessed to be a single dad for 10 years, but ended up having given up custody of my daughter.
because of the turmoil and the going to court and all that stuff. So, um, you know, you talk about suffering. There's been some dark days for me. And it's still, my daughter now is 25 years old, and there's still some, some rough times with her that we struggle with and we're trying to work through. And so, you know, it, there's a lot of damage there. But, but, but God, and but God introduced me to, uh, I say young lady, she's a little bit older than me. I met her at Calvary Baptist Church in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, where I'm a member. We got married 10 years ago. She has two grown daughters, four grandchildren, two brothers that live local, and a lot of cousins and nephews. And now my family exploded. I feel like a Job story, a little bit. God, God just multiplied my family from you know being married with two small girls to 20, 30 family members around five miles where I live. So what a blessing that is. And that's, that's part of my testimony, that God just reconciled my life. I'm redeemed. I mean, in more than one way, not just the salvation story. So, I, I'm so grateful to be here today. I wish Pastor Troy could be here. And um, thankful that uh, we're uh, going through this process together. And so, you know, I said I was going to ask one thing today. and um, I might ask two. I might ask two things today. Um, but the first thing I want to ask is, will you pray? Will you pray for the things that I've talked about today? And if you will, if you will pray for yourself, for the, your community, the people that you know, the, the people that are coming to mind right now that might be unchurched, not a Christian, if you don't have somebody in mind, pray that God brings somebody to you. Pray for your church. Pray for Pastor Troy. Pray for Boots and the Association. Pray for eight churches that are involved in this process. Let the Holy Spirit flash out. Let the Holy Spirit splash out because that's what the Holy Spirit does. And the Holy Spirit loves to do that. Will you commit to pray today? If you will, raise your hand. Please raise your hand if you'll commit to pray. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you very much. So, I want to pray now. And uh, before I do, um, you, you're always amiss, you know, if you don't have that you got somebody in this in this room right here that's got a tug in their heart right now that doesn't know that they're saved, doesn't know if they received Christ, don't know if they're forgiven, or is doubting their faith. You know, if, if that's happening today, we gotta we gotta offer that invitation up, come down and uh, pray, uh, and receive Christ, receive redemption, receive forgiveness, and receive salvation, because that's what Jesus Christ offers. That's why He came. He came to live a perfect life that we could not live. He fulfilled the law. He's the fulfillment of, uh, and, and, and answer God's wrath. Because God would not be a just God without, without payment of sin. And that sin had to be paid for and Jesus paid for it on the cross. And that blood that He shed is the blood that forgives. And the blood that saves and the blood that lives. And, and we want you we, we beseech you to come down and make sure that, that, that you're right with the Lord today. Because Jesus died on that cross. But three days later He rose. And He lives. There's no other faith, no other religion that professes their God is alive. I mean, our God is alive. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. <clears throat>
Father, Lord, uh, thank you for this time here today. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you uh, to come with us and in our hearts, Lord. Um, we raise up Pastor Troy to you and his family. We raise up the whole church to you, Lord. And um, just ask that you cover the church, cover First Baptist Church like that. With your grace, Lord. With your grace. Your grace abounds more. And you've seen the commitment of this church to prayer. Wow. Lord, use that commitment. That's a stepping out of the boat. I stepped out of the boat. And I will pray. Lord, if you put somebody on my heart, I'll pray for them. If I see a man next week that I need to pray for, I'm going to pray for him. Or a woman, I'll pray for him. And Lord, I don't know how to do this Operation Andrew thing. You know, it, evangelism is, that's that's not me, Lord. I mean, come on. But I'll, I trust you. I will trust you with this prayer, Lord. I'm going to raise it up now. I thank you for the opportunity to pray. Man, I need to be closer to you in prayer, always. And I need to learn more about talking to you listening to you and asking you. you. You want us to ask and you want us to give good you want to give good things. You want to bless us. Oh Lord, thank you so much for blessing us. You bless us in so many ways and give us endurance and give us courage to be your witnesses. Let us be encouraged and strengthened to go out and share the only news, the only news that's that's good and right and just, and it'll all be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. has got a song you're going to sing. He's going to sing it. Our invitation, if anybody here wants to come forward and join this good church, I stand in behalf of Troy Strickland. We welcome you. If anybody wants to come confess Jesus as your Savior, you want to rededicate your life, if you feel a move on your heart based on what Stephen preached on, if you don't, that's okay. We can pray while others might come forward. I stand here in the absence of your pastor for just a minute in the time of invitation. Brother Barry's going to sing one verse of the song.